Welcome to season two. It's Emma and Jillian here, and we're so excited to be back in action with you. If you've been with us before, you know season one is all about education and getting some facts straight about all things nutrition. This season, we're switching gears a little bit and going more on how to apply these skills learned in season one with a deep discussion and dive into mental focus and clarity, taking care of your body as a whole, and setting yourself up for success while bringing on some amazing guest speakers. If you're new to our podcast, welcome to our community. Jillian and I are dietitians, personal trainers, and wellness coaches on a mission to inspire healthy living one step at a time. Feel free to head to season one after you listen to this episode. Nutrition 101 is definitely the best place to kick it off. While taking strides together as a community into season two, our goal is to focus on mindset in your lifestyle and your wellness journey, all while helping you iron out the plan of action to your overarching goals. As always, let's grab a snack while we chat about how to reset, remind, refocus with the inspiration that you need to take the next step. We are so excited to have Jackie on board with us today. Jackie is the CEO and founder of Live Free Fitness. It's a women's health coaching program that works with women mid-20s to mid-30s to help them change their bodies, minds, and lives. We are so excited to have you with us, Jackie. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and how you started the Live Free Fitness program? Yes. So super excited to be here as well. I created Live Free Fitness out of, I would say, two or three years of just listening to my intuition to get me to where I was. I always grew up thinking I was going to work actually in the nonprofit sector and particularly in environmental studies. And my grandfather actually asked me the other day, well, what from your college experience led you to where you are now? And I was like, you know what? That's a great question. So I think where it segued from was as an environmental studies major, the most important thing that really stood out to me was the nutritional element that we talked about, right? Like anything that had to do with agriculture and food production, industrial meat production. And from one thing after another, after another, I just trusted my intuition. I tried the whole nonprofit thing lasted three months. And then from there, I just knew right away that I was meant to be working in the health and wellness space because of my own health and wellness journey. And just because of my pure, just like literal excitement to read a book and to learn all the time. And then I've always been somebody that is about supporting other women and supporting other people and helping other people get better. And it all just kind of like formulated into this giant blob of like, Jackie's listening to her intuition. And now here we are two years into owning a business and I will never do anything else. Like this is, this is the dream job. It sounds like you're living the dream one day at a time, literally Yes, from your excitement to your explanations. It's always morphing into something different. And as it should, and as it will, as I learn more about my clients and what my clients need and when they need it. And what I like and how I like teaching. And so it's always kind of morphing and it will continue to morph, but it's been, it's been really magical finding this, this space and this career. Can you tell us a little bit more? I I know when you were saying about how you got to where you are and how you started the live free fitness, the, the journey along the way, you had your own wellness experiences and you said your wellness journey as a whole. Can you tell us more about all of that. 
Yes. Give us the, so, the 411. So I was an athlete growing up. I was always, you know, I was that mesomorph. I was always, you know, always in shape, always active, playing sports. And I was actually a two, two sport college athlete. So I was in season year round. I played college soccer and college lacrosse. So it was in the summer, I was in preseason for soccer. Then I was in soccer season and in the winter I was in preseason for lacrosse. So it was like, I was always active. I was always athletic. And I went to college in great shape and my health degraded, even though I was a college athlete, I gained weight. I was even as an athlete, I was way overeating. I was eating unhealthy. I was binge drinking. I was binge eating. And it was, I think it was a combination of just not knowing myself, not knowing what self-love was, not knowing what self-care was, but it was also just my first time with that freedom to make my own choices with my food and my nutrition and my body. And ultimately I just created a really unhealthy relationship with all of those things, lost all my confidence. I did gain, again, I gained about 30 pounds as a college athlete, which is crazy to think about because I'm training six days a week, sometimes two times a day. Yet I was still overweight because I wasn't looking at my health from a holistic standpoint, it was just like, Oh, I work out. Like I'm good. I can drink what I want and eat what I want and not pay attention to it, which just kind of led to a whole slew of like mental blocks and like mental self-sabotages and mental circles and just created a space where I had no confidence in myself, even as somebody who was as active as I was. And that in in conjunction with my degree is where I started to really dive into nutrition and learning about it. But even that alone wasn't because there's so much more to it. Even learning about nutrition and being an athlete wasn't enough to get me the air quote results that I wanted. Cause I just wasn't I was looking at it as something that needed to be a quick fix that I needed to change my body overnight. And I would go into every, again, air quote, diet attempt, like it needed to happen overnight. And that's just not the reality. That's such a great point. And I think your story resonates with me myself. I wasn't a two sport college athlete, but I was a one sport and I played four sports in high school and I went through a very similar experience. And you're so right that just being an athlete and even just having a rig- really rigorous workout schedule doesn't make you healthy. Being healthy or unhealthy doesn't equal confidence either, but rather focusing on taking care of yourself. And like you said, the whole aspect of health, how do you feel that your experience influences your, your coaching? Do you feel like you're able to connect with your clients more on some of their needs or relate better to clients? Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Because I know what it's like to do that, you know, back and forth thing that diet culture and, you know, dieting, a lot of the health and wellness space promotes is this quick fix, you know, 21 day shred, 21 day cleanse, 90 day shred. And even you think 90 days, okay, that's three months. But like, even so, I think the biggest thing is, you know, realizing I, I was reflecting on this yesterday, actually I'm about, I mean, what I would classify my health journey. I'm like eight years into my health journey at this point now. 
it was a battle at first, but it was still a journey of trying to lose weight. I'm eight years in now. And I think that's the biggest thing is realizing where I am today, personally, as an individual, I still have things with my health that I'm working about. Now it's not so much, you know, let me, you know, shred fat off my arms as maybe in the beginning it was, but now it's like, okay, let me balance my hormones. Let me work on my gut health. Let me work on my sleep. And that in a nutshell is really how I coach my clients. I tell them straight up front when they join my program, this is not a quick fix. This is not a short-term thing. Your initial program is six months, but I do have up to two years of programming simply because I am not going to promote quick fix stuff because that's where I was for five years. I was stuck with like overnight thinking that I was going to lose the weight and overnight thinking that, okay, well, if I just eat less and if I just eat a salad, like I'll lose the weight and be fine. But in my own experience, it's so, so, so much more than that. And it's like, uh, almost there, there is no end point to, to your health journey because you can always still be working on things. And so that is straight up. All my clients know that if they work with me, they know that it's, there's no quick fix. And they know that there's, it's like a, like an onion, right? There's always layers. Yes, absolutely. I think we all need to get like matching t-shirts with that asset. <laughs> What's the quote? Like, it's not about the destination. It's the journey or something like that. Um, I think it really stood out to me that you said you're eight years into your health journey. That means eight years of taking care of your body and knowing that it's still ongoing. And I'm sure we can have a whole episode or season about diet culture, but realizing how much we see diet, diet culture, even us as wellness professionals on our own social media, we see so much. And it's hard to, I can only speak for being a female, I can't speak for males, but I think it's really hard for females when we grew up with our magazines talking about these six moves for a flat stomach or have this breakfast 1200 calorie diet plan to get you ready for summer. And it always is like for something. And when summer ends, then what? Not really highlighting the bigger journey like you talked about versus it just being do this for this one event, not do this to take care of your life forever. Um, and I think that's very important. Amen, girlfriend. And it, it can sometimes be difficult to wrap your head around that, right? It can be difficult to wrap your head around, like, I have 20 pounds to lose and I want that to happen in five months. And then that's that. And we set our mind on that. But it's a beautiful thing when you can, when you can look at it as a continuum that really has no end point because it kind of puts you in this mode of, all right, just 1% better this week, which is, which is really what I like to work on with my clients. I'm with myself. Oh, it's like you're fine tuning. So when you reach your goals or you, you can still have wellness goals, you can still maybe want to gain weight, lose weight, gain muscle, lose body fat, whatever your body composition goals may be. It's okay to have the goals, but you're always going to be fine tuning. It's not just the muscle is also your mental health, your physical health, your gut health that you mentioned. I loved what you said about getting 1% better and 1% better every day and that you set up an expectation for your clients that this is a long-term journey and that you work with them for the long-term journey. What does a typical day look like for you working with clients? That's a great question. So 
throughout the week, I'm just touching base with them. You know, they have a couple different ways in which they can get support with me, but just touching base with them. Today, I went for a walk with my dog and I just sent voice memos to my clients. We have something called 1345 and 1345 is how they, you know, win the week. So 1345 stands for one intentional, keyword intentional, one intentional act of self-care and recovery. So that might just mean one really thorough mobility and foam rolling session. That also might just mean, you know, a bathtub if you're somebody who doesn't usually take baths or whatever that might look like. So one intentional act of self-care and recovery, three minimum workouts a week, four minimum walks a week. And those are walks that are, you know, 15 minutes or longer and five days of food logged. So we do log in our first level program just as a way to gain awareness and look at it as, you know, observing data, as I know, at least Jillian, I know that's kind of how you look at it, right? We're just kind of observing data. And so in the first level program, food logging is part of it. And I know that a lot of people, you know, have a love hate relationship with it, but checking in with them, you know, so today it was, I messaged a bunch of my girls. I said, Hey, how are you making out with your one, three, four, five this week? Are you on track? And what are your social plans this weekend? And how can I support you with those? So throughout the week, it just looks like a lot of communication like that with them, whether it's getting on a phone call or just sending them a quick note, hey, thinking about you, how are you doing with your action steps right now? Or how are you making out with your workouts this weekend? The way I also kind of look at my client relationships and I use this on my sales calls a lot as I say, hey, every client is a tree. I'm gonna plant you in my garden as a tree. But where the customization comes in is the roots of the tree. Everybody's roots are going to go in different directions. And one client might need more support with staying on track of, you know, their alcohol count for the weekend. Whereas another client just needs, it's Friday. You've got three week, three workouts scheduled this weekend. Is there anything you can see getting in the way of you being able to complete those this weekend? And if so, let's talk about them now while it's Thursday. So everybody's roots are different. So everybody needs different accountability and being able to be a customized coach is something I really, really embody and love. And I think is so truly important for the client experience. And then other than that, I, you know, I'm, I'm checking in with them on their workouts at least once a week, checking in with them on their nutrition at least once a week, checking in with them on anything that they might need support with outside of those things that's in, you know, the mental health side of things, environmental side of things, relational side of things, communication, downtime, self-care, you know, sleep, all of that stuff is always part of the dialogue, but really just being there for them and making sure that they have that high touch customization support with the things that in their life they are crushing and not crushing. I think that's a great explanation of what you do. Now you did mention something and you said 1% better for yourself and keeping yourself healthy. How do you do that? How do you help so many people, but also take time for yourself, especially when a business, when your business model doesn't seem like strict nine to five, like you could be working at all hours of the day. How do you take that personal time? That's a great question. I feel like I could talk about this for a literal hour because that is something that is so important to me. Uh, there's a theory called the law of the lid, and I'm not sure if either of you are familiar with the law of the lid, but it's essentially, I am the lid to my organization. I am the lid to my clients, basically, AKA, are you setting the example, but the lid to myself, like, let's just say I was a financial coach. 
you know, like I have to set the lid, you know, I have to set, set the bar per, in another way of saying it. So I am the lid. The law of the lid says my clients are never going to take more self-care than I do. My clients are never going to prioritize their sleep more than I do. My clients are never going to show up to the gym with energy more than, you know, so that is something that I take very seriously. Plus I wouldn't want it any other way. Personally, I love being healthy and I love taking care of myself. And that's something that is 100% non-negotiable to me. There are so many things I have in place. And again, speaking of the 1%, I'm always tweaking it. So I just went through a big, you know, calendar reschedule the other day to where I'm now only working four days a week, not because, oh, you know, I own my business. I'm only working four days a week, but because I want to prioritize things on those other days. I want to prioritize going outside. I want to prioritize my, my time with my friends. So I can't say it's always been that way. And I can't say there aren't always times where I do let work, you know, take the upper hand but making sure that I'm taking care of myself and my mental health and my self-care and everything that's under that umbrella is absolutely 100% non-negotiable for me if I'm going to teach my clients how to do it. I love that. I love that idea where you obviously as coaches, right, we're leaders and to a certain extent, like there are some things that you and your client, you're not going to have, you may not have the same goals, but does it mean that you can't each get you to your goals in a very similar way? Like no matter what your goals are, getting enough sleep is going to be super important. No matter what your goal is, taking care of your body is going to be super important. Um, getting enough water, whatever the modalities are, it's, it's all going to look very similar. And being able to be that leader and that source of inspiration for your clients, yes. you got to put in the work too. And when my clients say that they need help with time management, I now call it health-focused time management. I don't call it time management anymore. It's health-focused time management. Mm -hmm. So that the primary element of it is health and then everything else is second. I love that. Yeah, you can take it. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the law of the lid, that's a book, right? Uh, it's just kind of a concept yeah. that I've, that I've learned. Got it. I think I could be mistaken, but I think it's also a book. Um, maybe that's the concept that it definitely could that's be in the book. Um, so in that realm, obviously that, concept really resonated with you. Are there any other books, podcasts, tools that you use for personal development for yourself? Like the law of the lid idea that, um, you like to recommend? Listen, that's a loaded question. You're asking a big reader if she has, <laughs> that's a whole series, right? In terms of my recommended personal development books, that's a very loaded question. It's something I am extremely passionate about. Throughout high school and college, I actually hated reading, which is super ironic because now it's something I'm always doing constantly. I actually run a online women's book club that focuses on all books in personal development and self-help. I do let my, let my gals choose the book. I give them a couple options to pick from, but it's always a book in the space of personal development and self-help because it was created not only so that women can read these books that are going to help them change their lives and their thoughts and their thinking and their patterns and habits. But the reason I actually created the, the book club as a tangible space was so that I can help hold people accountable to implementing what they are learning because it's, you know, I have right next to me right now, actually, you know, quit, I have quit like a woman, the radical choice not to drink alcohol in a culture obsessed with alcohol. 
And I could recommend this book all I want, but unless I have, you know, for me at least, and for a lot of others, we need accountability to make sure that we're implementing it. So that's why I created the book club. It's on Facebook as Live Free Book Club. Live Free Book Club. And, you know, my top recommendations, at least to get started with, I would say The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. That one's a classic. The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. That one, if you don't read any other book that I recommend, absolutely 100% you want to read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Hands down. That book has been transformative in my life. You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero is a great place to start. The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks is an extremely powerful book that takes the idea of right our limiting beliefs, but it's like conquering your limiting beliefs on steroids. It's like next level stuff. And then the last one I would recommend is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Lots of them, different areas. Some are more, you know, routines focused, habits focused. Some are just general, but those are kind of really, really great places to get started. That's awesome. Whoever listens to this podcast, I don't care if it's one person, that person's going to be so excited to join your book club. Just by the way you explained all of that, <laughs> you're going to get like friend requests coming in just because of how excited and how passionate you are about, um, book club reading but also <laughs> but also because you, it really resonates with me what you said about first earlier when you said the journey and then also where you said you hated reading I also hated reading I think we had to read so much for school growing up that I was like if something's optional I'm not reading it maybe I'll look at pictures in a magazine and so it's stands out to me how it's funny that as you've continued to fine-tune your journey all this time you've been able to actually fine tune some things that you're passionate about too. And where maybe you might have enjoyed reading back in high school, if it was topics that really resonated with you, you know, it's funny right. how things go full circle there. Well, your recommendations on what to read, I feel like I uh, need to get started tonight. But and in addition to that, <laughs> those recommendations, um, what are your like, top hot tips for a healthy or a positive mindset. I know we talked a lot about these books and this to help for personal development. So in order to kind of implement that into a healthy or a positive mindset, uh, what are your tips and tricks? So I think number one is to be proactively committed to it. I think if you're passively committed to it, you might see some you know, some, some steps here and there, but when you can change it from passively improving yourself to proactively and intentionally improving yourself and having just that mindset shift of like, cool. I'm, and you can identify with that, right? Like I am somebody who works on myself. I am somebody who grows when you can start to identify proactively about that. And then under proactive, there's this whole umbrella, right? It could mean you read one book a month. It could read, maybe you just, you know, it could mean maybe you just read five books this year. It could just mean maybe you take five minutes to journal in the morning and ask yourself some hard questions. It could mean you hire a life coach. It could mean you hire a therapist. It could mean you hire a transformation coach. It could mean, you know, 
whatever it means, but proactiveness, I think is kind of the, the key word there, like proactively identifying and taking steps. I know that sounds kind of broad, like give me something specific, but I think it's a, it's a mindset shift in and of itself of like, I proactively take care of myself now, whether that be through books or hiring a coach or whatever that is. And then the second thing is give yourself and allow yourself to take the time to do it. That was a missing key for me for a very long time as I would read the books, I would hire the coaches, I would do the things, but the second the book closed, I would move on to the next thing. Or the second the phone hung up from the coaching session, I would move on to the next thing, right? So actually taking the time to reflect on these conversations or these words or these new concepts that you're learning, taking the time to meditate on them, taking the time to have conversations around them. Because when you vocalize something, when you speak it, you make it reality, right? We speak our own existence in every single which way we speak our existence. And so when you speak, Hey, I learned this really great concept today in this book I'm reading, I'd like to incorporate it in my life. And you're sitting down to dinner with your partner. You can talk about how, and now you've just spoken into existence because they know, right? Uh, so just taking the time and that's been a really, really big step for me. I just recently spent a month alone in Florida, alone, <laughs> straight up alone, just so I could spend time with myself and my thoughts and my intentions and not feeling shameful around that too, not feeling shame around, okay, it's a Saturday and everybody's at the beach. I'm going to take an hour for myself in the morning to spend time reflecting on my week. So number one is just kind of being proactive about it in any way that feels good for you and it can scale. And number two is just allowing yourself the time to process it all. Well, I think that that's a reminder that I need somebody to nail to my head every single day. That My recommendation for you, Emma, is Atomic Habits. Great book on building habits. <laughs> I, I love that. I will get it tonight. <laughs> that's amazing. Can you tell us and what your favorite part is? It seems like everything is your favorite part, but you must have like one or two little snippets that you absolutely love. I think the, you know, the societal expected response right now is for me to say, I love when I see my clients lose weight, you know, I love when I get new clients and I can help them lose weight. And that's, you know, what you typically expect me to say, but I think my favorite part about it is that push for me to always grow because I fully embrace this idea that if I'm growing, my clients are growing and having kind of the, the accountability to do that, right? Because if I'm speaking that into existence, into the world, I have to actually put that work in. And so being able to have this experience that's had me push myself and work on myself as a leader of my organization. And then also to just create, learn truly that I can create a life of my design and now be able to teach my clients that they can create a life of their design. And I have helped clients, you know, quit jobs that they don't like. I have helped clients quit relationships that they don't like. I have had clients start a bakery. I have had clients do all of these things that's beyond just let's lose 20 pounds. And so knowing that I can create my own life by design. And so there it is, there it ties back to the clients and be able to help and facilitate my clients in creating 
like a vibrant life that is everything that they want it to be, even outside of their physical body. Hearing you speak, it really, two things resonate with me. First is that coaches need coaches. I think you're a perfect example, Jackie, of how all three of us are wellness coaches. All three of us helped a variety of clients reach a variety of goals. And it also makes me think about like moms, like parents, not just moms, dads too, leaders, like just because you are helping other people lead and other people get stuff done, doesn't mean that you also cannot turn off the realm where you have to always be the teacher. You can be the student. And sometimes taking that step back to allow yourself to be a student is what can help you become a teacher in your own right, whatever the topic is, even if you don't tell anybody about it, <laughs> even if you just write it in your journal and don't tell a soul per se, it could still be like your thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. I mean, I love it. Right now I have a business coach. I have a life coach. I have a nutritionist myself. Like, I love it. I will mm -hmm. always forever be getting support. That's awesome. And when we speak it into existence, it's important to recognize that you don't always have to be like all hunky-dory and pretend we're 110%. It's okay to have those poopy days. It's okay to have like those days where you're like, I need to scream into my pillow or go run in the rain or do whatever you want to do. Uh, but that doesn't mean that um, you still can't speak the positive into existence. So yeah, if you bring about those negative vibes and put that on yourself, you're probably going to feel like poop versus if you try to just shift the mindset in terms of acknowledging where there are those negative challenging points and where we need to acknowledge it doesn't mean to put it away, but um, just acknowledging it and trying to speak what you want into existence rather than. So I want to ask you from my little spiel there, what are the most important things when it comes to you strategizing your own health goals? How do you do that? For me personally, get yeah. help. <laughs> get help and talk it out. That is, uh, that's been so, so, so important to me. And one thing that what you just said, a question that I've been asking myself, right, when you have those low days is how am I relating to this, right? Asking yourself if you're having that bad day or that bad situation or that bad scenario, asking yourself, how am I relating to this is really helpful, but little, little side note. So to, so to answer your question on how do I strategize my own health goals, it's really just a matter of growing to listen to my intuition and listen to what that next level is for me. So the reason I have my life coach right now is I just got to a point where I realized, oh, lately, you know what? Lately, I've been rushing my workouts to work so I can get to work. I've been rushing my meditation so I can get to work. And when you start to, it's like building, you know, building your bicep, you, you build it and you build it and you build it. And I think listening to your intuition is the same thing. So that's at least kind of where I am now in my own health journey is just learning to listen to my intuition with what my intuition tells me I need to be working on in that given month or quarter or in that, that given period of time. Listening to your own body, to your own self, and then being okay to reach out in a variety of different capacities for advice or help 
So switching gears a little bit, most of the podcast audience are most know that I'm from Minnesota and you biked through Minnesota. That's amazing. Can you tell us about your biking experience and how, where it started and where you ended and how you ended up coming through Minnesota? Yes. So my dad is, and that's where I got all my athletic genes. My dad is a triathlete. He's competed in, you know, several Ironmans and triathlons and, and he's, he was my superhero growing up. In fact, I still, to this day, want to do Ironman Lake Placid. It's on my bucket list. However, I have a, I have a bone spur. Her name is Bonnie. I don't know how she'd tolerate that, but so, you know, just asking my dad about his, his experiences with his like athleticism and my dad actually biked across the country. He, Yes. Got on a road bike, packed a bag with his friend and they, they biked across the country. And so as soon as I heard him talk about that experience, the moment I heard it, I was like, I need to do that. I don't know when, but I need to do that. And as a senior in college, you get asked the question, what are you doing next? What's your job? Like, what's your next step? What's your next step? What's your next step? And it gave me so much anxiety because at that time I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I had, you know, four different ideas. I had a, you know, a broad idea. It was an overwhelming question to get asked. And so I heard about this opportunity through a friend. She was like, you know what you should do? Like, here's this great idea and told me all about it. And I was you know, I, I knew right away. I was like, you know, there we go again, listening to my intuition. I was like, yes, I will apply. I will get accepted and I will do that. So I did that. I applied, I got accepted. I'll, I'll tell you what I applied to in a hot sec. So essentially I, that became my answer. What are you doing after college? What's your job? Oh, I'm not, I'm biking across the country. And I just felt such a powerful thing of like, get out of my face I don't, I'm not putting khakis on. I'm not going to the office. I'm not putting the button down. I'm not doing it. I'm going on a bike and it's going to be great. So it was my first time. This is going to shock you guys. It was my first time ever on a road bike. I had been on a mountain bike and I actually, I had, I did 500 training miles before my trip and 300 of them were on a mountain bike. And so literally two weeks before the trip, I got my clip-ins for the first time. I got my road bike and I set off in New Hampshire and I was with a group. So it was a group of about 30 of us with a nonprofit organization called Bike and Build. So essentially it's focused on biking and building hence the name bike and build. So you bike and then you have build days and the build days are where you do construction and renovation of affordable housing. So at some places it's a, a renovation project. At some places it is a building project. At some places the house is already built. It just needs a finishing touch. At some places it's, you know, it, it was different along the way. Some was habitat chapters, some were local organizations, some were really small organizations. And we biked in 81 days across the country from New Hampshire to Washington state. And about 20 of those were not even on the bike because we did 16 build days and like four rest days, which is crazy. So we biked anywhere between our lowest days were mid forties. Our highest days were 110. And we just got on our bike. We got sore bums and we biked across the country and 
I would 10 out of 10 do it again. It was absolutely life-changing. Showered in, in rivers, showered with hoses. I actually chopped half, half my hair off the bottom half because I was like, you know what? I'm not showering. I don't need hair. <laughs> so it was, it was amazing. And I would do it again. And I love that organization. And every year they run anywhere, they run three cross country routes and two uh, coastal routes every year. So it was a wild ride. That is wild and so fun to hear about. I just have a follow up. What did you eat? Did you pack food or did you, were you able to stop at restaurants? Sorry, this is like such the dietitian in me. I'm only concerned about your nutrition while you're biking. But yes. so everything that we ate was donated to us. So <sighs> donated in terms of like, we, so we stayed Sometimes we camped in tents. Sometimes we stayed on church floors. Sometimes we stayed on rec center floors. Sometimes we did house stays where we would like split up with random houses uh, of usually like a church congregation or something like that. And so dinner was always either if we were camping on our own or our host would, would provide dinner for us. Like a big, a church would make a nice big potluck dinner for us or, you know, their local habitat chapter or whatever. So it was all 100% donated and lunch was leftovers. And, you know, we'd walk into Subway and say, Hey, we're doing this. Can you donate to us? And they'd whip together, you know, 40 subs and send them off. So everything we ate was hundred percent donated. And then we did do some fundraising. So if there were things that we didn't have, you know, like peanut butter or something or, uh, yeah, peanut butter, jelly, and bread, if we were ever low on those things, to provide for the, the vegetarians and vegans of the group, we would tap into our fundraising money, but ultimately we tried not to as much as possible so that we could donate it all at the end. But we, you know, we ate, it was definitely packed on a couple LBs. Um, you know, we put literally like in the back of our bike jersey, cause you know, they have those big pockets, literally like just a full potato just <laughs> in your back pocket. Cause if you're biking a hundred miles a day, it's just, you pull out a, pull out a potato or you pull out like a, <laughs> a cold piece of pizza from your back pocket and just get down and dirty with it. Pocket PB and J's, all kinds of wild stuff. It was, it was gross. <laughs> I would do it again. I really would would recommend it. I like it's such good vibes, but I also have so many like questions. Oh yeah. We we slept on the floor. We all had three pairs of clothes. We had, you know, like three pairs of, of biking shorts, three jerseys, three pairs of socks, three sports bras. Uh and then you got your shorts and t-shirts to sleep in, pair of long pants, sweatshirt and and your bike. <laughs> It's like the two extremes. Like I'm fully aware that this was for raising money for an organization. Totally aware of that. It just it's like so funny to talk about like 20 minutes ago, we were talking about the importance of like getting enough sleep, your rest days, your, you know, like if you're gonna be exercising every single day, you have to have rest days and you have to be making sure nutrition's in check and making sure that you're getting enough sleep. And it's like everything that we typically coach is probably not what actually happened on this trip which I'm not saying that it, it should have been any other way. I feel like you have had to have some like mental toughness building and some life, some major life skills were developed. So that was, in my opinion, like a hundred percent better than a first job could have been. That was like a life skill developed 
in 80, what was it, 81 days? 81 days, yep. Magical 81 days. Oh my God. And the, so is like your butt okay after that? Honestly, my butt was not okay. And <laughs> now I have my bike in New York City with me. And every time I get on her, her name is Peanut. Um, every time I get on Peanut, I'm like, how did I do this? How, like we had climbs that were 4,000, 6,000. I'm like, how did I do, how did I bike Glacier on this bike? Like this seat is, to, it, yeah. So my butt was not okay. Absolutely not. No. Mm -mm. We see what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Yes. Right. That's where this, this quote, the song drops in. And now it's, you know, every time I think about complaining about something, or I think something is hard, I remind myself, listen, you literally got on a bike and you biked 4,000 miles. And there were days where I, I was by far the slowest biker in the group, not to mention there were days where, you know, I, I would still finish a ride day in the first group of the day, not because I, but because of the mental toughness of like, I know I'm the slowest rider in the group. If I want to finish, cause that's the thing you have to be off the road by 4 PM. Uh, you know, there were some days where it was like, I know in order for me to finish this 109 miles today, my lunch break has to be 15 minutes. My snack break has to be five. I'm going to snack on the bike and I'm not going to stop because if I stop, I'm not going to make it there by four and you have to be off the road by four. Uh, so you, uh, you know, when I think about things being hard now, I'm like, uh-uh, there is nothing quite like the mental challenge of making it, you know, going up the sun road in Glacier, Montana. Nothing like it. Starting your day at 3 a.m., nothing like it. And you did it on a bike. I've only done it in the car. That's crazy. Yes. And we all hyped it up to be this big thing that was going to be so scary. But by the time you get from New Hampshire to Montana, you're in incredible biking shape anyway. We all, all trip. We're so nervous about it. And then we got there. We all got up at 3 a.m. And we were at the top by, you know, six. We were like, this was really not that bad. <laughs> As we wrap up our conversation here, I know that you've provided lots of valuable insight, information, fun facts to our community today that these episodes may need, need to be re-listened to on a few times. Pause, rewind, listen to everything that Jackie said and, and see how it can implement and help your day today. So before we take our next step, uh, Jackie, is there anything else that you wanna share with us that you want people to know about you, your company, any fun facts? The last thing I would say, if, if you've made it this far into the podcast is getting a coach will literally change your life. And I'm not saying that because I want you to come find me on Instagram and buy my program. That is absolutely not why I'm saying it. It might be Emma, it might be Jillian, it might be somebody else, but getting actual support from a professional that's gonna give you the customized and one-on-one -on -one attention that you need is literally life-changing. If you need me to point you in the right direction, I'm happy to do that, whether it's me or not. I cannot stress enough how important it is to get a coach to help you or to get multiple coaches and to just know that there is no shame and no judgment in getting a coach. I would say is the last thing. If someone decides that they want you to be their coach, how can they get in touch with you? You can find me on Instagram at 
Jackie underscore Geisler underscore fitness. You can also go to my website at livefreefitness.co. It's not .com because somebody took that and I don't know how because it's my business. But livefreefitness.co, it's currently under construction, so don't go for another week. But uh, after that, it'll be open, livefreefitness.co. Yes. So my Instagram is Jackie, J-A-C-K-I-E underscore Geisler, G-E-I-S-L-E-R underscore fitness. Hopefully you know how to spell fitness if you're listening to this podcast. Jackie underscore Geisler underscore fitness. Be prepared to see some sexy pictures. On that I love note, it. Leave them wanting more. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Um, it, I'm sure we'll have people reach out help. I am going to reach out. I think I need a direction in my life. Um, happy you were able to, to hop on with us and share some insight. I know sometimes talking about our own journeys is like so exciting for us, but it also is like moments of reflection like how the hell did I do that like when you think about yourself eight years ago in the start of your journey you had no idea that you'd be where you are today and had no idea that you'd be fine-tuning and we have no idea what our journeys are going to be like in eight years so I appreciate you for sell- for selling for sharing it all yes of course thank you for having me well that's it team. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Eat Healthy, Live Healthy podcast. We hope you had a great snack while listening to this episode and we can't wait until next time. Until then, you can find us on social. Our lovely friend Emma is at back to basic nutrition. That two is the number two. And you can find Jillian at eat.train.love.nyc. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with your friends and family.